Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. Hello, my name is Puka Osei and, I, and I'm the CEO of an organisation called Babasa. And Babasa is a social enterprise specifically set up to support young people from low-income households and ethnic minority backgrounds with their professional ambitions. And by professional ambitions, I mean us supporting these young people um, to either progress into um, a career-oriented role of their choice, start up an enterprise of their choice, or at times progress into or within education in line with their career aspiration of their choice. Poku is a winner of this year's Cambridge Social Innovation Prize, which is awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation at the University of Cambridge. I began the interview with Poku by asking him what the word babasa means. So babasa is a word, you know, more of an African concept that represents the idea of ordinary people coming together to access a support bridge for those in need. And um, when forming the organisation, I chose that because it was recognising the levels of inequality, how it was affecting young people, particularly from marginalised or should I say ethnic minority backgrounds. And I wanted a name that encompassed the ethos that I was hoping to run the organisation with, which is that we will absolutely need um, um, the this you know stakeholders from the ecosystem, from society, for us to be able to make a success of it. You know, we will need other people to to form those bridges that will allow young people to use as a platform um, for pursuing their professional ambitions. So, what was it then that motivated you to start this social enterprise? I think first and foremost, what motivated me was really the fact that, you know, 10, 12 years ago, myself, I, was, I was a young man myself. So, I, you know, I happened to be a migrant, a first generation migrant, black um, from a minority background. So I, I was experiencing firsthand what it felt like to be marginalized uh, in society because I originally come from Ghana, where the majority obviously is, is, is you know, uh, black people, so to speak. And uh, I just felt that as I progress, um, you know, I, I would I, I would want to, you know, work with people, work with the stakeholders to try and create a platform that makes it maybe relatively easy or easier for um, young people who are coming after me um, in, in, in the city of Bristol, first and foremost. I mean, I know that this is well documented, but I don't think it hurts to have somebody reiterate what the issues are that young marginalized people from from backgrounds of poverty from backgrounds that are about being first generation immigrants ethnicity what are those issues it's a number actually and it compounds as well but you know it could range right through from your accent because often if you you're not speaking as you know english articulating yourself in english in the best way as 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 perhaps um an english man would it's usually um attributed to your um, lack of intelligence as opposed to you know um your your even even as opposed to not even dexterity to be honest as opposed to not knowing um you know another language a foreign language so to speak but also you do have the issue of race which of course you can't you know leave at home um, and, you know, unfortunately, race has, has got its own kind of strong connotations on a global platform um, and the power dynamics that, you know, at times is at play between Southern and the Northern Hemisphere. And that plays down to our everyday existence, be it in work, be it in society and how people view um, people that are of a darker shade. So, uh, you know, I got that too. And then I also happen to 
have that challenge around being a migrant and and just not knowing how the society works and trying to navigate it. But in a capitalist society where people want to be quick to take advantage of um, you know the next person so that they can you know um, you know progress you know progress in their own livelihood, it means that you you know you you're much more likely to have a lot more people trying to take advantage of you if you're a migrant in a new city. Um, you know, but also, I guess, you know, more generally, if you happen to, what you can afford happens to be uh, an area of deprivation, which by virtue of you not having a a stake in society yet, because you you know you're new to that society, means that there's a high probability that you may end up um, starting your life in a in a deprivation world like I did, and in that case, you you, you have. You know, the, 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 you know, at times, you know, um, some of these issues reinforcing themselves through internalized perspective, you know, people of themselves, and that can play out in the violence against each other, and that can play out in, you know, in in, in the weak expectations that you know, um, you know, that is suspected of you as a young person or young people in schools in that local area. Plays out even in resources. At times, even if you have an idea or you want to support local business, it's not even an ATM in this case, uh, where you know in the in the whole area that I lived. So you almost have to cross and go into the um, into the into the city center to just to just access an ATM. That that has changed now. So it goes to show that there is nothing empowering within that local community. And and I remember when I got there and I wanted like a recycling bin and even calling the council. To say that, hey, you know, can I can I get a recycling bin? You know, they, they said they were surprised that they've got a call from that area asking for a recycling bin, and that took like two three weeks. Something that should have been taking days. So I'm just saying that coming from a deprivation ward in itself, regardless of color, has got its um, own compounded issues on 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 a person's life. So, so that's what I mean by sort of the compounded, the compounded issues that some of these young people face. Uh, and the experience it adds barriers, um, you know, at times tangibly, at times intangibly, right? And that at times feeds into anger, feeds into apathy, um, and feeds into a, a sense of selflessness at times. Taking your own experiences, taking how the world is moving forward, how then do you work with these young people to empower them? Yeah, so you know we take we take that into account in how we've designed our our programs really, and you know we start with a set of principles. Often uh, one is we treat each person as a, as a unique person, as a person with with talents and skills that, if given their chance and opportunity to explore, adds value to society. They're taking a very strength based approach uh, and a human centered approach to our engagement. But also the other thing is that. We say that we recognize the problem as the problem and not the human being as the problem. So which means that we're able to see the person for who they are and the challenges that is making them navigate the world as they are navigating it for what it is. And hence, being able to say that where do you want to get to, regardless of all of that, what's stopping you from getting there? And subsequently, working with that young person to agree some sort of a personal development plan that we, we we help them to help charter, we help them to overcome their barriers as well as pursue their professional aspirations. So that is what we call our getting to know you process, which is more of our diagnostics. And then from there, depending on where they're at, on the trajectory of, you know, being able to realize the aspiration, what, 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 what we then do is we put them on one of four programs. 
Um, and each of those programs, if you were to strip the program down and look at actually what do we actually do with them, you will find one or one or four things maybe. The first is one-to-one -one support, which you can say is akin to counseling, coaching, got wellness underpinning it, you know, where we help those young people um, to obviously locate the challenges and then help them access the resources, um, obviously the sense of self-belief to uh, and, and, and the relationships to help them um, um, overcome that. The second one that we do, obviously, being um, the organization that we are, we, we use a lot of um, um, targeted group activities to help mostly with skills development so that, they, again, they can use that to navigate the world that they find themselves in. The third uh, activity, now we don't run these as individual activities, it's, it's a program. So each program encompasses about two or three of these things. Um, the, the the difference between the the difference between the programs is the level of intensity of, of one or two of those activities, if that makes sense. The third activity is uh, intergenerational networking activity because we recognize that for anybody to progress and certainly be you know um, progress past their um, their own social status, they they need our social capital to do that. So we try to bring professionals and, and other people, members in society in contact with these young people through our intergenerational activities. And maybe the last but not the least is we are actively brokering real world work work opportunities, at times paid, at times internships and at times unpaid um, to help these young people start to have a sense of what the economic world look like and, and help them see their transferable skills and, and hopefully make some choices around what they would like to do. How do you quantify the success of what you do? Yeah, for, for us, it's simple. So we have four key indicators. The three are tangible. So the first is if we're here to support young people with their professional you know, ambitions or aspirations, then the first is have we been able to help a young person access a career-oriented role? Um, so be it paid, uh, i.e. paid career employment, um, or access uh, at times an experience of work opportunity in that field. If, for example, they are in education, have we been able to help them actually go and do an internship in that in that workspace? So that's one employment. Um, the second is enterprise, if that's their pathway, because obviously it's not everybody that would rather work with an existing idea or an existing business. But rather, you know, some of us are designed to, you know, um, conceptualize ideas and make it a reality. So we have um, that also, if that's the path, um, and we measure it by the numbers of young people that we've been able to help start up an enterprise uh, and access resources from, from the ecosystem. And then the third is young people, we support them to progress into or within education in line with their career aspirations so it means that time some young people come to us they may be doing something even at college and say that this is what we want we really want and then we help them to um, pivot or and indeed they're thinking that school is not for me and at times it is for them but they've just you know they're just having some challenging times and we work with them um, again using their aspirations as the hook and working with them to be able to see you know, the bigger picture. So education into or within education, into employment and into enterprise. So those are the three tangible 
And uh, one that's an intangible is what we call the economically active. And here what we are saying is that if we truly are about empowering young people or you know these young people to charter their way in life, um, then perhaps one of the best things that we can give them is that sense of self-worth, self-belief, and sense of self-determination. And how do we measure that? So we've developed um, a rubrics um, of indicators, five rubric indicators to measure that because obviously that's intangible. And that measures across, uh, you know, those five indicators, which include, you know, confidence, improved skills, and 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 three others. Can't remember on top of my head. How do you measure your social impact? I suppose in in longer terms or in terms of the bigger picture, are you able to quantify that as well, or to qualify it as it were? Yeah. So we've just um, we're just in the process. It's interesting you ask that question. We're just in the process of looking at a long-term evaluation piece for our work and we're looking at you know we're calling it our city 2030 so i.e how do you take a city a place-based approach you know to this work yes we are an agent in that but what other are the other agents that are needed both on the demand and supply side uh, of society or, or of an economy that allows that to move in a systematic, you know, allows um, um, us to help move young people into industries in a systematic way, right? Um, so the, a short answer is yes, you know, at times you can create your own return investment, can't you? And then start to think, you know what, um, if this young person was gonna come out of school and fall into welfare, um, how much does it cost you know, to maintain a young person on welfare for a, you know for for a month or for a quarter, and then work backwards and say, okay, if you're to help them, you know, stay in school, then you're saving the public purse of this, right? Or you may look at another another landmark and say that, okay, if we are to help a young person get a job and X amounts, you know, that means you're helping the economy to contribute X in taxes. And because we're supporting 100 young people, then that means we're helping the you know the economy add X. So you can look at those indicators, right? And use that to benchmark and make a case. But I think we are more interested in, if we were to take five years, if we were to take 10 years, right? And we have a theory of change that we want to nurture the next generation of social scientists, of architects, of um, business leaders, of coders, in a way that they will become the leaders uh, in 10 years' time of these world or, or of these aspects of society in a way that they are now running the society in a much more equitable, fair, inclusive and an equitable um, way, then how do we measure that? You know, And what's the qualitative um, benefits and impacts, not just on that young person's life over time, but also on their family's life, on the on the, on the community's life, and on society overall. But I think that is a, a bit more sophisticated because we're not trying to make a business case that we're saving this and saving that. And that's the work that we've just started up with our local university, University of Bristol, and and Arab actually to look at some of that systems indicators and look at how um, we can track that over time. You are one of this year's winners of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize. Congratulations. The prize is £10,000 per winner. And with that £10,000 comes mentoring, business advice, and the opportunity also to use the money to 
developer as both a founder and as a social entrepreneur. Firstly, how do you feel about winning the prize? I think it's amazing. You know, I always joke that, you know, us Africans, or, or certainly I'm an African, of course, but the generation before us, that's my mum and dad, because the experience when when Ghana, for that's where I come from, was a was a colony of the of the British Empire. What they know is that you know there is a school called Oxford and Cambridge, that if you go there, you you, you turn into a saint. You know, so it means that any affiliation to to these sort of Oxbridge universities, it is probably more monumental that I can put into words. But you know, um, for for that generation. But that, that's what one, and I'm uh, I'm sure you see where I'm going with it, it is that for me to hear those things from my mum and dad and to be affiliated with just the Cambridge brand is, is, is as powerful as it gets. But one for me, um, which is that actually, you know, you can you can aspire to be whatever that you want to, and actually you can you can attain, you know, whatever that whatever that you're doing, you, you can do it to greater heights and achieve greater success and excellence with it. And that's a marker, I guess, you know, with anything that Cambridge does. So I think that's a privilege there. But it's also, I haven't told my mum yet, <laughs> but I'm sure when I tell her, you know, it'll, it'll definitely, if she's feeling stressed, it will be a quick stress appeal for her to, you know, for her to get better. And certainly some of my my relatives to know that I've won a prize from, from Cambridge. And that's, and that's just the fact, given where I come from and where, and where we come from. The second part to the question is the £10,000. As I stated, it's it's there to help founders and CEOs of a social enterprise to develop further. It's personal development. Any ideas on how you might use it? Yeah, I think in my case, you know, I've just been mindful that I came into the country. Um, I started effectively building Babasa whilst also trying to find a living at the same time. And I haven't stopped, right? And year on year, Babasa has grown on average about 30 to 40 percent so it means that you know and that even through the pandemic so it means that you know if you're looking at it purely from a business sense operations management sense it means that it's, it's been a lot of toll to, to now now I welcome that because I feel like I'm living my purpose through that but I think there comes a time where there is a need for a bit of reflection a need to see if others are doing it you know in other parts of the world and a need to almost refresh the thinking and to be able to put things into perspective before we grow further. Um, so in between that point, uh, which is before we grow further and now is me saying that, listen, this, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to find such money to go and see what is being done in, you know, South America or um, East Asia or, you know, indeed other parts of Africa besides Europe. And this is almost like a if I can use the word, a bit of a godsend, to, you know, and it just so happens that it's come at a time when I've been thinking about these things. So I think um, it's perfectly aligned. Um, serendipity, I think that's the word. Congratulations to Poco Osei, the founder and CEO of Babasa and one of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winners for 2023. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter and YouTube.